This is episode 31. Okay. 31. That one I knew. Okay. Of Out of the Boat. And today we have Brother Bounds with us, and we're going to be talking about hearing the voice of God. Now, if you if you want to start with your questions, because I don't have anything yet, but... Okay, so when I was actually studying for this, there was a phrase that went in my mind, and it was that partial obedience will lead to death. And the example that I felt like God led me to was Uzzah. When the Ark of the Covenant was on the cart and it rattled, he came to grab the cart, and then it said that the Lord's anger was kindled against him. And in my mind, I'm like, how is this, you know? Yeah. And I was doing more research in the book of Numbers chapter 7. The Lord was giving them instructions of how he wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be transported. He wanted on their shoulders from the Levites. Now, the Israelites in the book of 2 Samuel 6, it wasn't on their shoulders. It was on the cart. Yeah. So to me, because of that partial obedience, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant was being transported by them. But their methods were different from the methods that God was giving them. So I was wondering if you could just elaborate on that about how partial obedience can sometimes lead to our downfall. Well, I, I think I think in regards to that, um, you know, when when Uzzah touched the ark because the oxen stumbled, uh, I think everybody's intentions were good. Uh, so Scripture says that in all the in all the days of Saul's king, while he was king, he never inquired of the ark of the covenant one time. Mm-hmm. So when David became king, David, a man after God's own heart, he knew we've got to have the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. And so David sort of with good intentions, he's got he's got the band ready. They're singing songs about mercy and they're they're ready to have they're ready to have this thing, uh, the Ark of the Covenant brought brought to Jerusalem. And so the Ark was in the house of Abinadab and had been there for a long time. And the reason was because in the first part of First Samuel, when when um, when they let sin in the camp with Hophni and Phineas, and the Ark of God was taken, Hophni and Phineas were killed. Uh, she named the his his wife had named, and Eli falls off when he hears the Ark of the Covenant is taken. He falls off the back of the stool and breaks his neck. Well, and the daughter-in-law has a baby, and they named him Ichabod. The glory of the Lord had departed. Hmm. And so uh, the Ark of the Covenant is placed. I just preached about this recently, so it's on my <laughs> The Ark of the Covenant is placed into the house of Dagon the and uh, in the temple. And so they come the next morning, and Dagon had fallen before the Ark of the Covenant, which we know is representation of the presence of God. And... Uh, they set their God back up, and the next morning they come in, and the Dagon had fallen over. His his hands are broke. His head is broken off. Uh, and, and then a judgment came against the enemy. So much so, thousands of them, uh, the enemy were punished by the judgment of God. They said, we've got a problem. We thought we stole this ark from Israel, but we've got to send it back because it has brought judgment on us. And uh, it's amazing. Anywhere the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Yeah. And God was destroying their enemy when they thought he was away from them. Yeah. And uh, so they put it on a cart, and they it was led by a cow that had a calf. And uh, it was a, a milk cow that had a, had, a, it had a calf. And that cow took off in the direction of Israel, leaving his calf behind. It was a supernatural act for that cow to leave its calf. Nobody was leading it. Nobody was driving. It was actually led by the Spirit of the Lord back. And 
it when it came back, it went into the house of Abinadab and stayed there. So Uzzah actually, it appears to me, would have grown up. Uzzah and Ahio, his brother, would have grown up around the Ark of the Covenant being in their home, but they didn't value it. Hmm. It's just another piece of furniture in the house. And so when they were commanded by the king, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, you're talking about Ark of the Covenant is represents God's provision, God's protection, the law, uh, angelic presence, golden bowl of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, the miraculous power mm-hmm. of God. It, what it represented, it just become another fixture yeah. in their house. And when King David valued it and understood what it was and he sent for it, well, they just sort of, they put it how they saw it come to their house. They put it on the cart. They got an oxen to pull it. And uh, they they were trying to move it the way the enemy had moved it. The God's people have a different judgment. There's expectations on how we approach the presence of God. And when that oxen stumbled, and he reached up to keep it from falling. He, he fell dead. And I'm talking about everything stopped. And you're looking, there's a, there's a young man that's dead on the ground who had, uh, you, you mentioned partial obedience, but I, I think honestly he was just he was just used to the Ark of the Covenant being in the house. He didn't value it. Hmm. Oh, wow. And, uh, and David stopped everything that was going on there and said, oh, this has been, uh, this has made a breach. Uh, we're doing this wrong. And he... He calls out. It doesn't say with exclamation, but I, I pic I picture the the moment somebody's died innocently, and David says, and and David says, "How shall I bring the ark of God home to me?" He asked the question, and like you started with the question, the or the statement earlier, he got into the law and began to read it. It can only be bore up on the shoulders of the priest. Yeah, they put it in a house of Obed Edom for three months. The Bible says, "An Obed Edom's house was blessed." <laughs> Out of that moment came sixty two. 62 grandsons. Wow. Wow. What study says. 62 grandsons that were men of valor. God blessed that house because the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, rested in, in that place. And I think I think people want to have revival with no no commitment. They want to have revival with no law. But God has mm-hmm. a God has a a process of how you're to handle handle his presence. I think honestly, it was it was it was they didn't value it. Lack of uh, understanding. David brought the understanding back. Of course, the Ark of the Covenant came back to Israel. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Another question I had was, in the book of Matthew chapter 4, verse 6 or 7, Jesus was in the wilderness. And the Bible says that the devil was tempting him. And then the devil quoted scripture. He brought up, where is it? Psalms 91, 11 through 12. And it's, uh, let me go there right now, just to give you more context. You're talking about how the devil... Uh, he was tempting scripture. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question of, about this question. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I feel like if if a doubt in my mind is bringing up scripture, to me it's like, well, it has to be God. Like, how do you decipher? I feel like I ask this question a lot. How do you decipher whether it's God bringing the scripture to you or it's like the devil using it against you? Yeah. I, I mean, you know. It goes back. You're talking about partial obedience. He brings partial truths, mm. so he he will bring a half truth, which is not truth. Yeah, you know, cast yourself down. I mean, he's got him on the tall mountain. Throw yourself down, and he quotes scripture, and the angels shall 
take charge of thee, that thou shalt not dash thy foot against the stone. If you're a son of God, jump. God's not going to let you. God's not going to let you die because you've got purpose and destiny. So get as close to the edge as you want. Well, go ahead and go ahead and do it. It's okay. You're, you can jump off the cliff. You're going to be fine. And he said, "Oh no, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God." And he was he was using scripture to push him against. You know, typically, if I hear a verse in my mind or my spirit, that's that's not from the enemy. And now if somebody approaches me, somebody approaches me with a scripture of half truth, the devil can use them that way. Typically with me, if I, I'm hearing a word in prayer or something like that, I, I take that from the Lord. Does that make yeah. sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. He said, if ye abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, I pray in scripture. Part of my prayer time, I'll, I'll get Psalms out. I'll get certain. I just last Sunday put the church uh, about reading the prayer of of Daniel chapter nine, reading those verses. But, you know, with me, uh, uh, it would be, I would think it would be somebody trying to use scripture to twist me instead of just a voice using scripture to twist me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Just something I've been told that actually always stuck with me was try to limit who you speak to in terms of getting advice from. So the more voices that you let inside your mind, the smaller the voice of God becomes. Yeah. So I wonder if you could just elaborate on that statement. Well, Psalms 1, right? Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not going to let an ungodly parent tell me how to parent. Mm. I'm not going to let an ungodly person give me advice about my life. Uh, and so, blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. They've got to be godly. So there's the verse that says, Know them that labor among you. Uh, he he told, Paul told Timothy, he said... He said, you have 10,000 voices, but you have one father, for I begotten thee. And another word for voices was tutors or teachers. But you have to be careful on, on whose advice you get. you got to make sure they're righteous before the Lord. I think it's okay. Yeah. You know, we hear this in Christianity, oh, you shouldn't judge because you're going to be judged. Yeah. You know, we hear that a lot. But, I mean, Jesus taught us to judge. Yeah. Who's going to speak? He said, you're going to know them by their fruit doesn't mean to condemn somebody, but if you're going to speak into my life, I just don't let anybody lay hands on my head either. Yeah. You don't? I, I, no way. Uh-huh. <laughs> just lay hands on me. I want to pray for you. And somebody just, I don't do that. And neither do I go lay hands on just anybody in the altar. I don't do it. So if somebody does that to you, do you I'd stop push it. their hand? Really? I do, yeah. What's the reason? Uh, well, it's maybe out of context. Lay hands on no man suddenly. <laughs> but I believe there's a transference. Yeah. When you, when you lay hands on somebody, there is there's a tra- you, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yeah. And uh you know there's there's the concept in scripture what's in your hand Moses and uh and he's talking about the hand of the Lord and, and I'm operating through your hand. But I I also have had people come up and they just want to give a word, I always want to give a word, they want to pray. I don't want confusion in my my mind or spirit. Yeah, I don't think you have to let everybody pray, lay hands on you that wants to lay hands on you. The intent is wrong. Mm. The intent is wrong. I, and now we have service where you get lay hands on your neighbor. It's not what I'm talking about. But letting somebody speak into my life or just lay hands and pray over me, I'm I'm going to guard that. So I'm not speaking in regards to those who don't know the voice of God. This is in the context of people who know the voice of God. What causes that confusion of is this really God or not? Because they know the voice of God, so what causes them to get that confusion in their mind and spirit? Well, when you're talking about the voice of God, I think I think most people seeking a relationship with God, 
they want to know uh, what the will of God is for their life and the leading of the Lord. In the Old Testament, I mean, they'd move when the cloud would move. They would pillar cloud by day, pillar fire by night. I think we want to move where God's moving. Hearing the voice of God, um, I've only heard the audible voice of God one time. Wow. But I, I'll preach, I'll say, the Lord spoke to me. But it was an audible voice. It was something learned over a period of time. When when God when God told Mary, I mean, I mean the angel told Mary that she was going to, over the Holy Ghost overshadow her and she would conceive, bring forth a son, call his name Jesus. The Bible says she pondered it in her heart. She didn't just go run to a hundred people and say, God spoke to me today. She <laughs> went to a trusted voice, and that was Elizabeth. She knew she was a righteous, godly woman. And 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 I'm sure she was going to her to tell her, obviously she would judge that as well. And when she told Elizabeth that about the voice of the Lord that spoke to her, the Bible says that John the Baptist leaped in the womb. There was confirmation of that. Hmm. And uh, I think it's learned, and, and over time you ponder it at first. I think a lot of people, I've had, I mean, Jeremiah said, they say God said, and the Lord said, I didn't say, but they prophesy out of their own spirit, <laughs> right? And uh, learning that takes takes time. So uh, when I was very young, I wanted to know the voice of God. And I've learned that his voice will be confirmed. If God says it's going to happen, or God said this, if he says it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. Yeah. If it didn't happen, wasn't the voice of God. Yeah. Makes sense what I'm saying about. I mean, so like the audible voice I heard at one time. I was I was preaching. I was around 18 years old, and uh, the pastor prophesied to me, and I, I was evangelizing. He he said the Lord before church. He said the Lord's going to do something in your ministry tonight that He's never done before. That's okay. You know, just in in a circle, I received it. You know, yeah. pre-service prayer, and I'll never forget it. During the first, I mean, the first two nights of revival were terrible. I mean, it was awful. <laughs> I felt like I preached. I felt like when I got finished preaching, I feel like the message I preached hadn't even reached the front pew. <laughs> People were just staring at me, looking. There's this wall up. I'm like 18 years old, and I'm feeling like a failure, you know. Let's all come to the altar. They'd come to the altar. It was okay, but not powerful. Second yeah. night, same way. And uh, what happened on the second night is after church, I was down on my luck. You know, when I was a teenager, we call them APDs, after preaching devils. <laughs> Tell you how bad you did. You're too young, this and that. You know, you start self self degrading yourself I, i'm i don't have experience the reason there's no to break through it's my fault and, mm -hmm. and uh i got in the youth pastor's car and he said uh i was telling him how i felt i said i have fasted i prayed and uh, you know it's not breaking through and he said oh brother bounds it's not you if you only knew what was going on in the church he said but there's a few good men that pray he said after we go to Pizza Hut, we'll go pray. <laughs> this is Pentecostal. We're going to eat first. And, uh, but after we went to the church and we prayed for a few hours, I'll never forget it. I'd prayed every prayer I knew to pray. I had said everything I knew to say. Then all of a sudden in the room, it was just like something broke in the atmosphere. I felt it break. I mean, there was a shift, I call it. And 
all of it. I mean, I'm I'm praying sluggishly, trying not to fall asleep. You know what I mean. Oh yeah. I'm at Christian Life College. Y'all have long prayer meetings. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to stay awake and still pray. But when that broke, it was rejuvenated. The whole oh. atmosphere of the room changed. There was only five of us praying at the four corners of that old church in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And I knew something's happened. The next day, I couldn't find a word to preach. So I just grabbed a message as I was going to preach that night, something I'd preached before <laughs> and it went okay. <laughs> and I'm 18 years old, and that pastor prophesied that night. He said, the Lord's going to do something your ministry's never done. And I went into the church, and they start good old fast song of worship. But all of a sudden in the room, here come the presence of God. Whoa. strong, strong conviction. It did not match the atmosphere of the song they were singing. <laughs> and uh, and the pastor, I mean, snapped his head and looked at me, and he said, Brother Bounds, I said, yeah. He said, you feel that? I said, I do. He said, I'm not going to wait to turn it to you. He said, uh, I'm going to change the song. And he, we're, we're, not, we're not five minutes into a church service. This is the first song. This atmosphere is there. And he said, I'm going to change the song, and I'm going to turn it to you. And they turned and sang a song that matched the atmosphere. And um, when he stepped to the pulpit from here was the audible voice of God. And this is what the Lord said. He said, there's people in this church that have played games with me for years and I'm angry. Mm, wow. And he said, because I'm angry, they are in a dangerous place. Oh, wow. That's what he told me. Wow. It was an audible voice. I heard it. And, uh, and I remember him. Uh, I had a word from the Lord, and uh, I'll never forget, 18 years old, I stepped to the pulpit and never done this. Thus saith the Lord, there are people in this church that have played games with me for years, and I'm angry, and because I'm angry, you're in a dangerous place. When I tell you, they came running to the altar. Wow. There was a drawing that, that you can't intellectually ever create. Yeah. It's not because of study. It's because of power. Yeah. When Zachariah said, it's not by might. It's not by power making reference to human ability, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And it was a product of a prayer meeting that the night before where it shifted. They came running. And the pastor, I mean, there are old-fashioned agony and repentance in the altar. And the pastor came to me and he said, Oh, Brother Bounds, he said, there are five miracles in the altar tonight. I said, Elder, what do you mean? He said, see that couple right there? I said, yeah. He said, they have been attending this church for 30 years. He said, they looked apart. Their daughters prayed for them for 30 years. Tonight's the first time they've ever repented in wow. 30 years. Mm, wow. Look at this young man here. He's never made a move and went around. It was miraculous power. That's the voice of God. But there's an atmosphere that comes with the voice of God. And, and I have learned that what I heard here, I also felt here. And um, it was a moment for me. Not everybody's heard the audible voice. But do I know that when he speaks, it's the same? Mm. I can, there's something moves in my spirit right here. It's like, a, I call it a nudge, a nudge of the Holy Ghost. And uh, um, I give an example. Uh, church is over it. This is just uh, maybe a few years ago in the church I pastor, which I've been at now almost 20 years. But service is over. 
people are just fellowship as they do after church. I walk out. There was a guest that he came I was looking for. When I walked back in the building, I mean into the sanctuary, I was walking by, and I looked, and the only way I know to explain it is that this starts moving. It's like a, it's like a compass. Yeah. The arrow turns, and it'll point. It doesn't actually, but it's like it points. There'll be a thousand people in the room, and it's pointing at one individual. And I went to her, and I said, I, there was two couples leaning against the chairs, talking, sitting. And I said, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I called her. I said, uh, I said, and soon, and, and it, it's not like you get an entire sentence. You just learn to flow in that moment of what you feel. And I said, I, when I when I was following that feeling and that word, and uh, I didn't have a word yet, but it's on the way. I can feel it. And I said, uh, Sister Cammie, I said, I, I see a mountain in your life. Church is over. I mean, I said, I see a mountain in your life. As a matter of fact, it, the mountain has, I said, I see dark clouds that are leaving. And as the dark clouds are leaving, you're climbing that mountain, and I see sun shining, glistening off the side of that mountain. I said, the Lord would have me to tell you that the, the darkness in your life is, is, is leaving, and God's going to give you direction. You're going to make it to the top of that mountain. Wow. She starts welling, crying, like, uncontrollably and i mean i knew what i felt but i didn't realize <laughs> i didn't realize the gravity of what i'd said yeah. she said oh pastor she said this morning before i came to church i asked god would you have my pastor to come to me and say the word mountain <laughs> that's funny yeah voice of god it was not audible it was something i've learned to flow in over the years that god 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 is speaking and uh and, you know, the Lord doesn't speak typically in a booming voice. He speaks in a still, small voice. And where we, you you can't learn the voice with loud media in your life. Yeah, It'll never happen. Yeah, Every preacher that I've ever seen used of God, somebody that operates in the gift, that had to go through a season of loneliness. Because loneliness and a call to prayer are the same emotion. It is. And so, as I told somebody even today in the altar, I felt to tell them, John the Baptist would have never been, he'd just been John if he hadn't isolated wilderness experience. Jesus, 40 days separated in fasting, but was separated in a wilderness period. Paul would have never, you wouldn't have had 16 books, maybe 16 books of the, of the Bible. He hadn't had a prison moment where God separated voices from his life. And every preacher will go through a season of loneliness. You know why? Get rid of noise. Mm. And in the silence of the absence of socialization, you start hearing the voice of God. And when I was 16, God removed every friend I had. Wow. Pulled them all back. And there was a moment I could I mean, I couldn't get a hold of them. They wouldn't stop by the house. Friends that I was very close to, there were seasons in my life that God let me realize I pulled everybody out of your life. And it was 16 years old that I learned to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And everything I do today is standing on that year, year and a half experience at 16 when I was alone without, I had friends, but they weren't like in my life. And it was there that I learned to hear the voice, the voice of God. Something uh, a man of God once told me was don't focus on your position, focus on your condition. So in the condition in this context is loneliness. 
just yeah just how powerful is loneliness obviously said it obviously said it blocks out outside noise but is there i guess a constant season of loneliness that we need, we need to have throughout our ministries or is it just you would die if it was constant <laughs> can't even go to the bathroom by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but all the girls can't either. They yeah, always yeah. ask. <laughs> uh, you know, but honestly, it's not good. Uh, Scripture is one of the first things you hear the Lord say. It's not good for man to be alone. Yeah, It's not meant to stay that way. But there will be a moment that God will allow you and... Uh, and that's why, I mean, one of the most dangerous things probably is right there because a call to prayer comes, which is a lonely feeling, and people just scroll, 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 and uh, it's it's an, the numbing effect of a burden yeah. of the voice of God. People start scrolling media because it silences what God's trying to do. And so in that season of your life where God's trying to call somebody to prayer, they go to media. And there needs to be a season, I think, I would say, anybody listening, uh, I'd say to you all, there ought to be seasons where you turn it off and say, I'm, I'm going to seek God. Yeah. And uh, I want to hear, I hear the voice of God. And uh, I think we can, I heard somebody say this, that God's always talking, we're just not listening. Hmm. I think there's element of truth to that. Um, it is so hard to, to, for example, part of my job is being on Instagram and posting on Instagram. And it's like, as I'm posting and stuff, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this is bothering me. It's been bothering me for years. It's like, I don't want to do this, but it's my job. Yeah, I've thought about like maybe paying somebody, like I'll give you like 20 bucks a week <laughs> if you post in like a couple things on here so I don't have to do it. But it's, I always make excuses for myself. Like, what if I just go to a flip phone? <laughs> but then it's like, okay, wait, but now how do I find the nearest McDonald's if I'm on a road trip? I don't, I don't, I won't have my iPhone to look that up. It's so, it, it sounds almost pathetic to say it's so hard to get away from being attached to the phone Yeah. or using it. Yeah. And I don't, what do I go to a mountain for a week and shut everything no. off? No, I think, I think, you know, you know, uh, you can't live without food either, but you need to yeah. fast it yeah. occasionally. And so you, you got to, you have to put it in its place. And if you can't, stop you know it's the whole point of fasting is to be disciplined yeah you know it's not to make god feel sorry for us but there's seasons where we step away from food but we need food and uh, i think step away from that for a season and make sure that your intentions are right yeah because you can gradually get away from the yeah. intent and what its purpose is yeah sounds like i need a season of loneliness <laughs> which sounds horrible because i always have people with me always have friends with me. I literally just talked about getting a van the other day <laughs> so I can cart around all my friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so I don't want to make it sound like you got to be lonely all the time. Like I said, you'd die. Uh, yeah. But there was a season in my life, if it wasn't for that season, I would not do what I do today. Yeah. But because of that one season of my life, it's allowed me to learn to operate, not with him, and I think that's another issue, is there's a lot of people that do things for God and not with him. Mm -hmm. They do it for him, but they've never learned to walk with him. I, I, think, uh, uh, I, think, I think it's like the, the ten lepers that needed a miracle. And the scripture says they stood afar off because of their 
their condition, they weren't allowed to be around people. And uh, he said, Jesus, Master, they said. And uh, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And when they did, they were cleansed. Well, they went on their way. But one returned and fell at his feet, and he was made whole. And a thought came to me ye- uh, yesterday is that there's a lot of people in church that are cleansed, but they're not whole. They don't feel complete. Yeah. The only ones that feel complete are at his feet. Mm. If we get at the feet of Jesus and have a relationship with him. Yeah. And, you, you know, I've learned as much about what keeps me from prayer as I have praying or how to pray. There's so many distractions keep from prayer. I think yep. everybody relates with that. Yeah. You know, you need to be with friends and have that. But I think there's times, the Bible says a prayer clause, that you get away from what's normal. Pay somebody to post for you for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And say, this is my this is, this is is my consecration time. I, I know some churches, they teach what they call a day of consecration. So one day a week, they don't do it like any other day. They consecrate. They won't eat. They give an offering. They... Um, they they do they do something separate than every other day. That's the wow. consecration. You know, like, I'm not getting on media this day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think you put it in balance. Do do you think it is necessary for everyone to go through at least a period or a season, or at least should go through a period of season uh, of loneliness to hear the voice of God? Uh, I think I think that God creates it initially. Okay. He created it for me. I didn't create it. I was so hungry. I was just trying to respond to the call of God. I would say into that question that it's like Brother Mahaney preached. Uh, Lord, I want to be used of you. Okay. Yeah, you're going to feel used. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go through some things to get there. And uh, the anointing comes from brokenness. Yeah. And you're going to go through things. He's going to reveal you, you. And I think that you responding to the word creates a path that he begins to develop you into who you're supposed to be. I didn't create a place of loneliness. He created a place of loneliness for me. And it was the product of me responding to the preaching of the word and praying prayers. And and because of that, you know, he took me through that, that season of my life. Yeah. Well, if you don't have any more questions, do you have any more questions? It's powerful, yeah. though. <laughs> do you have anything else to say? No, I would just, I would just say that the 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 greatest the greatest thing that people could ever do is to seek a relationship with God. Yeah. yeah. Desiring a pulpit or position is so low faith. Yeah. And uh, I was getting ready to preach at first camp meeting I ever preached. Somebody canceled, and they asked me to preach. And I was terrified, you know, <laughs> camp meeting. And uh, I went to the Lord, oh, Jesus, I need you. <laughs> oh, God, I need you. And the Lord said to me, he said, I wish you would come to me the way you did when you were five. Wow. And I said, I don't, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> he said, when you were five, you didn't want anything but me. Oh, you didn't want to see anybody get the Holy Ghost. You weren't praying for a miracle. You were praying. You just wanted my presence. Yeah. And I think there's got to be something in us. And I'm not telling you you shouldn't pray for people to be healed. I mean, probably the emphasis of this meeting, even this week, is about prayer. But the goal is to know Him. Yeah. And that's what I would say. 
know him. And if you get close to him, you're going to hear his heartbeat, learn his voice. And uh, that that's what that's what this is all about. Yeah. I feel the Lord talking about this. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Why don't we say a prayer together? Yes. Lord, I Jesus, I thank Lord you, Lord. God. Lead us, God, God. Chris and Brother Jonathan today in our time together. Hearing your voice and learning to hear your voice and silencing some of the noise in our life. God, just to know you and walk with you is is what matters. We want to feel your presence, oh God. We want the leading of your spirit. I pray that you would touch them and bless them, everything they're doing. Anybody listening, God, to this to this conversation today, that you would be with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so honored y'all had me. I'm I'm honored that you came. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I start crying. I can't help it. That's who I am. It's real Thank you. Okay. This has been episode 31 of Out of the Boat. Thank you. Uh, yeah.